the only podcast that travels by mass relay. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Welcome to the Exclamation Mark Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Crofton Steers. I am here with my co-host, the uh, Beavis to my butthead, if you will. That is Bo Schwartz. Welcome, Bo. I know those are two characters, but that I don't want to be anybody's anything to anyone's butthead. Trust me, even though I'm butthead, he's the smart one. Beavis is the one that always needs a teepee for his bunghole. You know, I never really watched a full episode of that, and I know that what's that guy's name? Judge, the the judge. I am Mike Judge. Mike Judge. I love Idiocracy. You know, um, I hear that new Silicon Valley show is pretty good, but he did Beavis and Butthead. That's where you yeah, kind of first heard of the guy. Out. King of the Hill and Beavis and Butthead, but Beavis first. Beavis and Butthead first. It's very subtle. In, in the fact that it's like these dumb guys but like there's a lot of social commentary I really like the movie that they Beavis and Butthead do America they're getting a tour of the uh, the Hoover Dam and uh, and uh, Beavis is it Beavis or Butthead who asks the tour guide it, it, it says uh, is this a god dam <laughs> good <laughs> and I found that so hilarious as a kid. Oh man, it sounds it's, horrible. It sounds it's terrible. amazing. It sounds um, anyway, this is big. Ga- this is big week in the world of video games. Sure. Um, there's a lot of big releases. Plus, BlizzCon happens, so we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Yeah. I will make a disclaimer off the top here that I am sick as a dog, and uh, I'm gonna therefore sound kind of crummy. But luckily, I have the high energy. Of my Beavis, Bo. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go, man. We got BlizzCon was this weekend, and I am excited to just go blah 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 and talk all about it. So thanks for joining us and listening in uh, on this conversation. Because uh, if you missed any details, I'm gonna try and give you a big picture of everything that happened this weekend. Can't wait. I'm sorry you're it- sick. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for that. The other thing I wanted to say is that this week marks the release of a couple of major games. One of the which is um, is Rise of the Tomb Raider, and uh, colleague, ex colleague, uh, and friend of mine worked on that game. Uh, so, Phil, if you end up listening to this, well, first of all, you're probably too busy and or enjoying some well deserved rest. But uh, congratulations on putting that out the door. I'm glad it's getting um, good reviews. And it reminds me, like, knowing somebody who works on one of these games reminds me how much time and effort it takes to put together these monstrosities. They're now, it's not like two people in their garage anymore. This is like a giant team and they work long hours. And, and so it's an achievement putting out, uh, putting out these games. And I see, like, all these Facebook posts are, like, going to these parties and all this and uh, for the launch. But I know... Uh, leading up to that, it was probably a lot of long hours. So, congratulations to them, and congratulations to uh, the maker Bethesda and the makers of Fallout Four, another big one released this year, and uh, and all game developers that are putting out these giant products that we're enjoying. Yeah, congratulations to your friend. I I do not know this person, but um, yeah, it's a big deal. I think it's a big milestone getting one of these giant uh, 
as you say, behemoth out the door for us to just criticize, you know. What's funny uh, is that he's the lead combat designer for Tomb Raider. And and so th- that would mean there's giant swaths of the game he doesn't even work on. So he's focused on one part of the game. Uh, and so it, it, it is really funny because, like, well, I've seen reviews that some reviews that, that, that say that the combat is super good. And then others that will be like more critical of certain aspects of the combat. I wonder how personally he takes. Like I've never been in a position to have my work critiqued at such a high level. I wonder how personally he takes those things. You know. I think. I think. Um, I think they. You know, if you work something like if you do something for forty hours a week, especially in game development, but anything that has an artistic bent or is creating a game, I think you do. It does matter to you. I don't think you're just like, well, I punched in, I punched out, I made this thing. If you like it, great. If you don't, I don't care. I think probably more like eighty hours a week. Sure, no yeah, probably yeah. like every day and late nights. So I think, I think it does matter. I think if someone does a job like that and the product doesn't matter to them, then they they're not probably in the right place, or you know, it's not a very happy thing. I think. So, all right, well, let's get into it, man. We're going to talk about Fallout Four and Rise of the Tomb Raider, as well as a bunch of other stuff. Tuck in, you know. I, you know, if that bus ride is getting real long, I'm, I'm. We're gonna take you all the way to your destination in our discussion about the news this week in readme.txt. Right, Crofton? Yes, sir. So, BlizzCon happened. Wait, you're going to say something? Yeah, well, I was just thinking because, like, clearly you're going to ejaculate all over uh, the Blizzard stuff very momentarily. It's a family podcast, folks. So, I just, uh, I just before you started, the way I figure is that I'll present each of these games mm-hmm. to you and you can just absolutely, you know, uh, spew information over the listeners and your 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 feelings uh, before we get into each of the games, I just wanted to run a couple of pieces of Blizzard-related news uh, by you. One is is that I heard that uh, Activision Blizzard Studios is this new entity that's creating the Skylander show, and they're talking about doing a Call of Duty cinematic universe Um which would involve a lot of like I guess you know Blizzard has had a real heavy hand on the war, uh, Warcraft movie that they'd be moving into Call of Duty stuff. Um, what do you think of that? All right. So initial thoughts: Have you ever seen one of these Call of Duty commercials? Like they're happening. The ones now. with the celebrities. Yeah, or? it's like a celebrity comedian and some you know very attractive woman with guns shooting things, needing hamburgers and stuff like that. You've seen these these. I've seen one with Robert Downey Jr. a few years ago. All right. Well, okay. So the com- if they're any- like the commercials trivialize the savagery and horror of war in such a great degree. Now it's for a video game and it's a commercial. I mean, most commercials are they're very they're terrible in a lot of cases uh, handling such things. So you kind of roll your eyes and just go with it. A, a cinematic universe, they better not make it, like they better not trivialize war. Think about all the great war movies that like Steven Spielberg made Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. Like think about war movies and how 
you know, even even ones that you know uh, big up the violence still have this sense of war is terrible. I am concerned that the video game slash movie making of war movies is going to make it look awesome, and I don't think I I just don't like the idea of that. So it. The one thing I I would say about that, though, is that, like, when the first Call of Duties came out, 1 and 2 and all that, it was all about the horrors of war and World War II. But recently, you know, they have, like, sub-genres of Call of Duties, and and the the recent release, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, is all about, like, cyberpunk sort of mech stuff, uh, sci-fi. It's got a huge zombie mode. Like, it, it seems like it's much more tongue-in-cheek than it used to be. So, like, I mean, if the movies were, like, black ops science fiction type movies, maybe you like, would need to show the... It depends if we're getting, an, like, a Chuck Norris movie or a, a real real war movies. And so, I don't know. I mean, they have a, they have an audience, so it makes sense for them to produce video content. A, a lot of, there are a lot of video games being made into movies. Battleship got made into a movie. Why not Call of Duty? I mean, it seems, it seems like it's true. That's a good less point. of a stretch to make a Call of Duty movie than it is to make about Battleship. So yeah. I'm sure Pete, they were sitting in the boardroom going like, "Guys, I think we need to get in on this." Um, also, notably, they're going to do the Skylanders. I think I heard mention about a Skylander series of some kind. Makes TV, total probably sense. Kids show or something. Yeah, I mean, people love that. The other thing of note, and we'll get into this a bit later, is that I know Overwatch, um, the new Blizzard shooter game also going to have a story they've they've said they have plans for storytelling outside of the game in the form of you know comic books and cinematics and video they haven't been very detailed about what that's going to be um i could definitely see them wanting to leverage this studio to make overwatch related things as well and who knows what else i mean that's just what they're telling us so so the other big of big bit of Blizzard corporate news, I guess, is that Activision Blizzard has bought King, famed developers or infame developers of Candy Crush Saga, for six billion dollars. Notably, um, way more than what Disney paid for Star Wars. Like I think, is it? I think it was somewhere in the two to four billion range for Star Wars. And no way. Yeah, yeah. Really? That's I've heard that a lot. I, I can't cite an official source, but. It was more. It, they paid more for Candy Crush Saga and affiliated properties from King than Disney paid for the rights or whatever it is they got out of Star Wars from Son George of a Lucas. Bitch. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the future the is that, mobile, friend. <laughs> the thing that concerns me about this is Activision, not so much Blizzard. Activision in particular, although they are one company, is is sort of taking the mantle of the EA evilness sort of that gamers have, have known to hate. Ubisoft has sort of picked a few spots as well, but Activision with its sort of yearly dose of content, uh, leading franchises to the ground, uh, Bobby Kotnick? Uh, Kotick. Yeah, he's considered one of the big villains of gaming or whatever, I guess. And and so I just find you put King this purchase in there, and it really, it really looks like their corporate direction is is not one that. Uh, let let me just say I hope that Blizzard keeps its walls up, and 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 manages to stay uh, as separate as possible because I would really hate to be playing a Candy Crush Saga mini game in my WoW. Yeah, well, I think. I think this is pervasive along a lot of the big developers and Activision's looking to be the forefront of it. I mean, 
Blizzard, uh, Heroes is not a game that you pay $60 for. It's a game you pay for free and that you could spend 10 times as much if you're one of the whales. Same with Hearthstone. I mean, Hearthstone is free. And then $1,000 later, you're like, oh, man, this free-to-play game is so expensive. But I think it's fair to say that those games are actually games. Like, they're they're of a, a certain level of quality, right? Well, that's uh, the... that's Yeah, they have a pedigree and a reputation. Whereas Candy Crush is, is um, you know, match-three color game that's essentially reached a point of, like... I you know and to, to be fair I haven't played Candy Crush just from what I hear it's like the further you go the more it becomes almost like a trap whereas there's nothing forcing you to buy a pack of Hearthstone cards or uh, or buy a new hero in Heroes you can just play with the hero you have or you can play with whatever where you actually get penalized in Candy Crush if you don't put in money at a certain point yeah that's um I haven't played Candy Crush either, so I, I don't have a good... You may be soon. I don't have a good... No, because, I mean, I don't really play the Activision games, so it's... But, it's not, but it's, it's not it's, consistent with my character. I stick to the Blizzard games, but... I don't know, like, the Activision Blizzard Studios are doing Call of Duty? Like, I think the lines are being blurred here, Bo. Watch your ass. I, I definitely do have to watch my butt. So, um, but let's talk about, in light of this... Uh, let's start talking about the BlizzCon stuff because I want to talk about some Overwatch stuff. Overwatch, the big new game, wasn't a, there wasn't a lot revealed as new because the big thing last year was that Overwatch was released. Um, but the payment model for Overwatch has been brought forward and a lot of people speculated it'd be free to play in the same way that a lot of these games are so that you'd end up spending $10 per hero, then 10 times, tw- you know, two $300 later, you're like sunk. Um Overwatch is actually going to have an upfront price of 40 bucks, and it's going to unlock all the playable heroes. They're going to launch with 21 characters. So you get them all. Like, the idea is you get them all. There is an Origins edition, however, for 60, which gives you some, ex- like, five skins. So there's is, def- is that only for console, that Origins edition? I thought it was only um, for console. So the $40 edition. Oh, I don't know if the Origins edition is console only or if you can pay the $40 on console. That's that's something that's not clear to me. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I would think that because on PC on the, in the Blizzard store you can definitely buy it for PC for forty dollars and not get the extras. I would think that they'd have a forty dollar d- edition as well for PC and Xbox. It sort of doesn't make sense. The um, the big deal though the big deal is that in and we're jumping the gun a bit here it was announced for consoles, which is the yeah. second Blizzard release on this this um, system of console. But I think that changes. I think their pay model is directly related to, to the to releasing for consoles, I bet. Yeah, very likely. And that could be only the Origins Edition is the version that you get on, on consoles because that seems like a more console-appropriate price tag is $70. Keeping in mind that on PC, Blizzard keeps everything. And for Xbox and PlayStation 4, they've got to pay a cut to xbox and playstation 4 to have their game on there so um i could see it just being the 60 dollars version releases in spring 2016 and um there i'm positive they haven't said anything about their plans but there definitely be microtransactions if they have skins in the game that means you'll be able to buy skins at some point maybe they'll be 10 bucks a pop or something like that um certainly there'll be the type of game that it is too there'll be map packs and purchases all along the way so that game is going to nickel and dime you like crazy um so you're not that the link there to the candy crush news is that it's not far off from this new world of gaming that 
is shying away from like, man, only sucker game companies charge sixty bucks up front and don't get any, you know, leave sales on the floor after. Um, you know, we have people that are fans of our game that are willing to shell out for all the the, the neat skins and neat extra content. So. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's like all that. about payment per game unit now. Payment per gamer, like like uh, the, the, if you do an average of the a game's price, the DLC content or extras you can buy, and all this, and in in a way that it, it rewards, like as, as many problems as I have with it, it kind of rewards uh, game developer or um, the gamers that are most into that game. I know people who have played The Witcher that I'm in love with and that have dropped in the prologue and they paid full price for the game. And I've paid full price for the game and put in hundreds of hours. So like I'm, you know, I'm much more likely to want to, to buy like little extra things and more content and all of that. And in a way I feel like the developer deserves that money from me because I've gotten so much more out of it than, than a lot of other people would have. Right. So yeah, your dollar, this is your calculation is your dollar spent per hour played or something like that. Like, or even hour enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is a big conversation that we could dive into, but I, I just want to say, I think there's a limit. Like, back when DLC felt special, then it's like, oh, yeah, of course we'll buy it. There's a point where you flood flood and overload people with that kind of stuff. And I, I do believe we're getting there. I know, uh, it, like, I, I'm like, I can only afford to sustain so many games that have a limit on how much I can spend on it. Um, so... I guess you know Activision Blizzard wants to be wants to have their stable of games be where people want to spend that money more than their competitors. And yeah, we talked about I I firmly believe that we talked about lifestyle games last show. I I firmly believe that every single game developed by Activision Blizzard is des- or sorry, the Blizzard side of Activision Blizzard is designed to be a lifestyle game it's designed to be a game that you play throughout the year maybe you drop in you drop out you get extra content here and there like hearthstone isn't a game you just play for like you know two weeks and then never play again it's like a game you pick up every once in a while throughout the year and that's like a a lifestyle game and i think that that's where they figure blizzard figures their their gravy is like when they they were making way back in the gamecube PS2 era, they were making StarCraft Ghost, which was like a, a campaign, um, like single-player campaign game set in the StarCraft universe. Mm-hmm. And even way further back than that, uh, after WarCraft 2, they were making WarCraft Adventures, which was a, an adventure game with sort of a cartoon art style. Neither of these games came to release. And I realized now, looking at what games were released and and why those games weren't released. Part of the reason that they weren't released, I'm sure that they were canceled, is that Blizzard just doesn't make those games anymore. Like the games that have a beginning and an end, they they make lifestyle games for better or for worse. I think generally for better. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Like they do have campaigns and stories, but the long term plan for all of them is to not end at the game end. Like when I when I play. Um, I don't know. When you play Witcher 3, when you get to the end of the story, you're probably going to be done with it at least for a while. You may never come back. Maybe you will. Who knows? But um, there's a fine, there's a there's a finish line there, and you're right that their games are open-ended. And that sort of leads me to my thoughts on Overwatch, which is I was hoping for some announcements about some more gameplay modes, like some PvE content or 
um, larger scale maps, and it looks like I think they're just going with that small, you know, skirmish. It's average match seven minutes. I feel the gameplay has a very limited scope in Overwatch, so nothing new there. They may still surprise and announce more things as things to, uh, as it goes forward. It does look like it's going to be a lot of fun. The art and VO, as always, is amazing. The gameplay, from what I hear from people who are in the beta test, is super fun. Um, I was just hoping for a bit more like like map wise or gameplay engagement wise, and we may still see that stuff. Um, Three new heroes were announced. Uh, so Diva is a StarCraft II pro player. Uh, part of the Overwatch fiction is that she was recruited to be a mecha user, and she has a pink bunny mecha that she uses to, to shoot people, and she can self-destruct it. It's really awesome. I think you'd actually really like it if you haven't seen it, uh, Crofton. Um, she's a, basically a pro video game player turned uh, you know soldier. <laughs> um, then there's May, a, a climatologist who uses ice to, to make ice walls and to, to freeze people in Genji, a dude with a samurai sword, probably the one you actually going to like Crofton because he yells in Japanese and, and cuts people to pieces. I've heard some of the characters are like maybe close to being racial stereotypes or whatever. I hope, um, I hope it's not too racist. Uh, no. Well, okay. So the games take place on earth, right? Like in the near future earth. And so, and they have people representative from all nations. So, there are definitely cultural and racial, like, you know, indicators about people, right? Like, uh, the, the, Here's- the, the brown-skinned woman is named Farah. You know, that's like a very pharaoh, you know, it's a very regional name. and But there's nothing, like, she's badass. There's nothing really racist about it, I don't Well, think, here, so. here's my, this is my barometer, and I honestly don't know. So I'm yeah. going to ask you right now, is there a Jamaican character? no. Lucio, okay. I believe he's South American of some kind. Like, oh, I that sounded pretty close. Does he have dreadlocks? He has dreadlocks, and oh, he, he rolls around on. I'm sorry, he, sk- he skates around on rollerblades, and he says, "Give it up to the beat!" And like, he loves hip hop oh, music. That's his big thing. God. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, the thing is about it, what what is is it racist? Like, they're definitely you know, like like it's not like the only person of color is a hip-hop guy and then all the stereotypes like there are a number like uh, there are a number of people of color in it uh, in the game in fact the two best characters in from the overwatch panel that were stated were both like farah and symmetra it isn't like i think there's a a wide but it's the it's the street fighter 2 effect like ryu is the best street fighter in street fighter 2 but he's still a caricature as are all of the all of them, and when sure. you do a caricature of a race, it's always kind of like and Street Fighter Two was made in, by in Japan in the nineties, so we sort of give it a pass when Zangief starts dancing, doing that Russian <laughs> dance when he wins. Uh, but uh, but I just thought that we had moved sort of beyond some of this stuff. But I, I recognize that that like it's hard to design characters, and I'm sure that there's going to be tons and tons of heroes, and once it populates itself a bit. I'm sure I won't even notice. I, I, the, I would uh, say like the, the the character's nationality is somewhat accentuated in the character's design of each people. Like it's definitely there. Um, I'm sure someone who studies this stuff will find ways to feel like this, you know, engenders um, racist thoughts and 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 still draws things you know around body image issues and all of that kind of stuff. Blizzard's not exempt from this stuff. I think they are. They do make some efforts in contrast to other game companies. But yeah, there isn't. A, 
they do like one of the things I know they have a gay character in it. I'm not sure which one it is, but they're going to have that's going to feature as a storyline in it. So I feel like this game is making an effort to be inclusive of everybody. But yes, it is caricature and there isn't Overwatch's intention is not to be a story about, you know, racism. As long as it's like superpower it, isn't like sodomy or something. It is in the tradition of shooters. It is a murder simulator. So no matter how like how sentimental you get about this kind of stuff, the core gameplay is pointing a gun at people and shooting them. <laughs> like <laughs> that is enough to be like this is not a place for this kind of deep discussion, but So you're let's correct. move to the next Blizzard game which yeah. is much less violent in its in its uh overtones and that is the collectible card game I mentioned earlier, Hearthstone. Hearthstone. Heroes of Warcraft. Yeah, so your- um Big new announcement. They have a new adventure mode, the single-player PvE stuff that gets you new cards, called the League of Explorers. And um, basically, rather than be like a a raid from from Warcraft, this is more you get to visit a couple of vanilla WoW dungeons, and you get to enjoy Bran Bronzebeard, Elise Starseeker, Reno Jackson, and Sir Finley Mergleton on a quest to put together this thing called the Staff of Origination. Um, so each wing offers you just like traditional stuff, one piece and a bunch of new cards to unlock. Question. Yeah. Those names you just read, are they people that Blizzard fan folk would know? Um, so Bran Bronzebeard is, um, a frequent, uh, makes frequent appearances as an NPC in World of Warcraft. Everyone, I think everyone knows, uh, Bran Bronzebeard, maybe most notably for the Ulduar raid but he's in a lot of places he founded the league of explorers which is a faction within world of warcraft so um he's definitely there the other characters are new um especially like i don't know they're all kind of funny like reno jackson is such a bro like he's such a human with a big mutton chop mustache and sir finley mergleton is like he's got a monocle he's a murloc with a monocle that speaks very properly but he's still a murloc i don't know there's some crazy cards in there. Um, they all got spoiled, so usually there's a lot of teasing. It's getting released Thursday, so like in three days. With all these other game releases, there is a new Hearthstone uh, adventure starting to release um, in a few days. Um, it's going to be 700 gold per wing, $20 for the whole shebang. The notable cards in there, there's a lot of great stuff. There's one called an Explorer's Hat, which is like an Indiana Jones hat that you get to put on a guy. And if that guy dies, it adds a death rattle where you get the hat back, just like you know, Indiana Jones movies where you get to swipe your hat back, you keep getting the hat. And Elise Starseeker, um, when she comes into play, she you get a card called Map to the Golden Monkey that gets put into your deck, so it's not in your hand. If you draw it and play the map, you get a Golden Monkey put into your deck. And then if you draw that and play that, it turns all of your remaining cards in your deck and hand into legendaries. It's, it's kind of bonkers. It's really hard to pull off, but it's like... <laughs> <laughs> like, if you have 20 cards left in your deck and five in your hand, boom, they all become brand new legendaries at random. Damn. So um, there's some real flashy stuff. Looks like a lot of fun. They're really killing it with the Hearthstone stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. They must know that it, it doesn't matter when they release that Hearthstone's got its own market because you're right, it's a pretty busy week. Even Blizzard themselves are putting on StarCraft 2, which we'll talk about later. Yep, so uh, Hearthstone's a hopping. Um, they also had their, you know, like every game, uh, they had their world championship as well, and someone won a big pile of money. This Ostaka guy from Europe. I don't remember which country. I want to say Sweden, maybe? Or Norway? Um, uh, they're all the same. 
No, 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 no. Let's not do that. <laughs> I, after that, like, Overwatch, is, it's kind of racist, right? You're just like, all those European people are the same. <laughs> nice. Classy. All right. Let's move on. Warcraft movie trailer got uh, shown at the opening ceremony. Did you have a chance to check it out? Of course I watched it. Yeah, it was, what were you it was high on Reddit for a while, too. That's where I saw it. And so so what did you... In this world of episode 7 coming soon, where on the hype meter did this trailer leave you? Um, okay, now, now, I think I'd like to... Before I answer your question, I would like to throw that back at, at you because I honestly believe there's two... I've, I've looked at a lot of reaction on this trailer. I, sure. I honestly have, so... I be- believe that there's essentially two reactions, and I think that we may have those two reactions. So we'll, let's start. We'll, let's start with you. What was your reaction? Um, so my reaction, my f- initial viewing of it was, um, I, I liked it, but I wasn't super excited about it the first what? time I watched it through. Yeah, and part of the reason for that was there was. It was sandwiched inside a ton of announcements at Blizzard. We're going to talk a little bit more about what came out. That I think it was hard. I think there was too much announcing overload that it kind of didn't stand out as the most exciting thing about that announcement. I did watch it later. Um, I've I've watched it since. I think they held a lot back from this. I think... um, And so my hype has been steadily growing. Like I'm really excited to see this movie. More excited than to see the Star Wars. If I had to choose between two, I would see the the Warcraft movie. If I was about to die, I could see one movie. I'm interested in what the Warcraft movie has to offer more so than Star Wars. I want to see them both really bad, though. Um, Yeah. yeah. When I, on our other podcast, Good, Bad, or Bullshit, when we were talking about Star Wars, we did a whole episode on it one time. I mentioned how I was more excited for the, at that time, the the Avengers movie. And my my take on that at the time was that it's more of the now, where Star Wars is like revisiting stuff from our youth, and and Warcraft again. Like while the game series has been around for a long time, it's it's of the now. Like this is the first, the first movie. I got a kick in the pants watching before the trailer even started, watching the Blizzard logo come up for a, a film, as opposed to like a, a game. I was like, oh shit, they're they're really doing this, um, but. Uh, uh, then I watched it, and I had watched the teaser trailer um, the week before, and I was kind of like, you had made some good good sales on the teaser trailer, the Griffin and all this sort of stuff. I was like, oh, yeah. But then I saw the full trailer, and I was like, oh, man, I, I'm i really concerned about this movie. And and I'll tell you the, the main things, the main things that I'm concerned about. And I'm clearly not alone. Like, I've gone, and I think the top comment on Reddit was like, is it just me, or does this movie look like shit? And uh, I'm I, I'm willing to give um, the director who's who's directed Moon and and a couple of other great films a lot of a lot of credit here and hope that it's good. Also, I'm not a huge um, Warcraft fan. Like I played Warcraft games before, but I'm not like I never even really played WoW. Um, but but the movie to me looks like, and I'm echoing what a lot of people said online here. It looks it looks really CG, like really CG uh, to the point that I feel like it would have benefited from being a CG movie. And like I mean, all the kids movies. I'm not saying it's a kids movie, but all the kids movies that come out are CG only, uh, a lot of them. And I feel like this movie would have benefited from that. I, I felt like the hum- they really tried to preserve the look of the Warcraft 
universe, which I feel was designed originally so that um, it could run well on a lot of computers. Like the armors are all blocky. I remember in Warcraft 3, all the the, the big wide shoulders and all that sort of stuff. It's great. In, in, it's a cartoony art style, but when you're doing a realistic movie – and then the actors, oh my god! Like the lines that they were delivering in the movie. Like if you uh, in in the trailer, if you listen to those lines, I was like, oh god, it seemed seemed poor. And then finally, the storyline that they presented in the trailer seemed very similar to stuff like Dances with Wolves, Avatar, all those movies where it's like there are two races that hate each other, but then. You know, like one of them joins the other race and all that sort of stuff. I think so. Anyway, that is the Warcraft story, though. Like, oh, it doesn't matter that it's you can you can come up with a story that's been done eighteen times before in a video game form and get away with it. But in movies, it's a little harder. People will be like, "I just saw this movie. I liked it when it was called Avatar." Um, But uh, but yeah, so so all those things have led me to have extremely low expectations. And my concern is this movie rep and Assassin's Creed with Michael Fassbender are what I don't want to say the last hurrah for video game movies, but if these, if neither of these movies hits big, I'm, I'm concerned we will never see another video game movie again. Like these, there's a lot on the line for these. And I think this Warcraft movie is going to sell super well to Blizzard fanboys. I'm not sure how well it's going to sell Look, to people outside. Transformers uh, was received a ton of hate that first go around. Like there was a lot of the similar sentiment. It did really well, and they're still making movie. Like there's a fifth it, one on the way. It dealt so. in nostalgia, like with but, but, all. The- but it does deal in nostalgia, and it has its audience. But there's a large vocal contingent against, like against cg movies in particular like there are a lot of people who really like to bandwagon on the cg thing and they're not wrong this like there are a lot of imperfections there's the storyline because the spectacle takes a front seat a lot of the storyline tends to take a back seat and not be very compelling um but you know i've i've my thoughts on this are just like we want to get to a place in cinema where we have these seamless, amazing experiences, so we've got to take these steps along the way. And Warcraft is deciding to do it now, and I'm sure it's going to take a bullet if people don't like some of what the CG stuff has to offer. And that's just our path to better and better CG movies. Because I think on this movie, given a lot of what they've said about it, is they're really pushing the envelope technically. Whether that translates into something we enjoy or not, um, you know... Like that for you as a consumer, it's totally fair to say I don't want to spend money on this because it doesn't look good. Um, but I think, I think again, the Duncan Jones pick for for the the, the director uh, lends a lot of credibility to for people that want to give this a try who know about film directors. And um, on the other hand, though, like I've seen, like he he doesn't have heavyweight clout, and I could see him being pushed around by studios. My other thing with regards to the. Uh, the, the picture is is I do find it it, uh, it you know like sometimes something is adapted for film so like a book a movie yeah. uh, sorry a book a, a TV show a video game or a comic anything it's adapted for for uh, for film and people will criticize it and saying it's not being faithful to the film or the movie or whatever. Or, or t- it's not being faithful. Uh, it, it's taking too many creative liberties. And sometimes those creative liberties are necessary. Every once in a while, 
a movie like Sin City will come along that does it literally frame by frame from a graphic novel, and, and you know it's an exact take on it. But more often than not, you can't do that. You've got to adapt it in some way. And I think what's interesting about the Warcraft movie is they have clearly adapted, and this is Blizzard's involvement for sure, the the look wholesale of the video games. Like they've said, okay, we're not changing anything from the – even if it may, makes sense or whatever, it's going to be exactly the way it is in the video game. And I think that, that that'll be – it'll be sort of like – are the fanboys right or are the fanboys – the fanboys are going to get exactly what they want. They they won't be able to go into that movie and say they weren't faithful to the look, the feel of Warcraft. Like I, I don't know that much about Warcraft, but in the trailer, even I spotted things where I'm like, oh, yeah, I used to build those you know, or whatever. Um, it will for sure follow all that stuff. What, what uh, I'm, I'm curious if it's good, then it will be sort of like it will justify all that. But if it's bad, then it'll, it'll, it may be pointing to the fact that you've got to be a little creative in adapting these properties. We'll see. I'm not optimistic, but I'd love to be proven wrong. Yeah, I, um, I think a lot of people share that, like with anything new and beloved, I think a lot of people. Uh, you know, share that hesitancy to to just be like they haven't seen the thing that's going to make them rave about it. I don't think the story. I don't think we're looking at like I don't know the pianist or Schindler's List or something. It's going to be an epic kind of good versus evil with shades of gray kind of story. I know we know Gul'dan features in this, and he's a recurring bad guy in the series. So there will be uh, some villains. I think. The big thing from this is going to be the CG spectacle. I th- Medivh is a mage in this. We haven't seen any CG to do with magic spells recognizable from the franchise or abilities or things like that. I think I think we're in for a lot in terms of that CG stuff, um, including, you know, we've seen orcs and we've seen humans and we have an Afork. Do we see any of the other races factor into this as well? I think they're holding <coughs> a lot back. So I'm staying optimistic, and it's also another year out, so there's still a lot that can happen between now and, and, and then in terms of what we start getting teased. I think the trailer was good. Um, I'm, I think I'm with you. I want it to be good. Hopefully it's very... I, I think no doubt they're putting their best effort forward, but we'll see. I mean, Blizzard cinematics have this reputation of being awesome cinematics. Even if the game, you don't love it, you can still watch a cinematic and be impressed by it. I know it's the studio making the movie and not Blizzard, but that Blizzard name carries that associated expectation. So I'm... I sort of wish the whole movie had just been cinematic. That's it. Yeah, you might not be wrong. I mean, I'd sit through two hours of Blizzard cinematic if they made a movie of it. Yeah, me too. And speaking of awesome Blizzard cinematics, there was a new one uh, directly after. uh, WoW Legion, the upcoming expansion, uh, got a release date of uh, next September... Um, this has a lot of Warcraft fans kind of not so happy about it because the pacing of expansion packs has been every two years, and they were starting to make promises about it being, you know, every one year we get an expansion, but it, this is basically turning into two years. Um, so that was, a, I think, a, a people took that negatively, but um, this is the game company that releases it when it's ready, so I don't kind of understand uh, that. Um, there are other games to go play. Go play them. Tons of Blizzard ones, too. Uh, but there was a new trailer. It features Varian Rin and Sylvanas. Um, 
people were very stoked to see Sylvanas. And some of the sentiment I saw on Twitter and associated places is that people enjoyed that cinematic much more than they did the Warcraft trailer. Uh, just because of that coolness factor, it's got Sylvanas, it's got uh, airships, and it has the Burning Crusade in it, which people love. It was a very good trailer. I recommend you watch it. They're doing lots to make the game more streamlined. Not enough time to go into it all here. Um, so if you're a fan of that stuff, I recommend you go to a new site and check out. There's a ton of details. Uh, notably, though, is that um, there are no more weapon drops for people. Basically, you're going to get an artifact weapon and you'll be just upgrading it, which is it's kind of a big deal in an MMO. You expect to get items and weapons and stuff. And, and so now weapons, there'll just be no more weapon drops for you. Um, so they're taking the game in kind of strange direction, I think. Not a bad one, just they're doing things with this idea that the the audience they're trying to cater to is not someone that's going to play 24 hours a day and grinding out all the stuff. They're trying to gear it more towards the casual MMO player so that they get a chance to experience all the content that's worth experiencing but not have to put in crazy amounts of time. Um, so I recommend you check it out and check out the trailer. That's the Warcraft stuff. Uh, yeah, I um, I also heard that Blizzard's not going to be reporting Warcraft World of Warcraft subscriber numbers anymore in favor of other metrics in terms of recording how, how played it is. If, if WoW thi- Legion does really well, <laughs> I think they may turn around and release that. Yeah, it's very possible. It, it's clearly reporting on the numbers, which just uh, it was essentially a, a tuning of their own horn, so to speak. Yeah. I, I do think that World of Warcraft has to be on the on the downswing. It like you know it's it's been over ten years. I think they I think that they they have thought about successors and I'm sure are are thinking about what the next steps are. Uh so in terms of in terms of all these like expansions, I'm curious about how how long they'll keep going for because uh, I feel like at one point they'll just be World of Warcraft 2. Boom, well, it'll just no, be announced. Notably, when... Chris Metzen was at Nerdtacular on the live stream and they talked about he mentioned that a little bit and it's more for them. It's a game they're just going to keep supporting and have ongoing even if it become, you know, it doesn't. This is subscriber base doesn't matter in terms of the game continuing on. Like, you know, if it goes down to a hundred thousand people playing it, they may not, you know, they may not be new X packs, but they'll still it'll still exist in some way. This is a company that Diablo two servers are still running. Like, you can still go log online and play Diablo two online with people. So the game will be out there. Um, and I don't know. Like, this is the MMO company. That's why it's so crazy to think that they're not going to be releasing another MMO. Um, and one wonders if Warcraft finally, uh, you know, sort of the sun starts to set on it, what they would do. Would they would say like, well, we need an MMO on our stable. It's part of our, not only is it part of what people define them by their perceptions. I don't think they're a company that makes decisions like that. But if you're, if you're a company that's really good at making tires, why would you turn around and start making ladders? You know, why would you stop stop making tires and start making ladders? Like, tires are what you're known for. So, I feel like that's always going to be looming over them. And um, and I think we... I, I don't know. I think we... That's what... I think they'll push the envelope on that if Warcraft finally does have its sunset on it. I just don't see them never doing that kind of stuff again. 
If too many okay. talented people quick, working quick, on that. Quickly here, Diablo 3. Diablo 3. Um, lots of changes coming up for Season 4. Was hoping for a big announcement. We didn't get one. So there's going to be new zones, new adventure mode content, like 40 new items. They're still supporting the game. Speaking of a game that you know, it was released a long time ago, they're still putting out new content for people like me to give them a reason to log back in and play and see all the sweet how, stuff. How long ago was it released? Not that long ago. Diablo 3? Maybe four or five years ago? No way. Oh, was yeah. it that long ago? Yep. yep. They had an expansion pack, which really rejuvenated the game. In fact, a lot of people say it made it way better. They got rid of the auction house. Um, let me quickly look it up, because I'm curious. Yeah, you, could be, you know what? You could uh, be right. May 15th, it, it, 2012. So... Okay, that's not that long ago, but it's going on... It's three years. Three years? In Blizzard time, that's not long. 20, 13, 14... Yeah, I guess it's about three years now. Um, yeah. It doesn't seem like it... seems like it should be shorter than that. But think about all the games that have a release of three years that people still play. I don't even remember what was released three years ago. Like Yeah, Skyrim. well, that's it. Like They designed their games to be played like this year in, yeah. year out. That's why there's these seasons in Diablo. Yeah, so, um, but not a ton of news, unless you're a Diablo fan. Not a lot made it to the surface in terms of news sites. Um, so, quickly, Diablo 3, that's the big and small. Uh, Here's the Storm. Um, if you want to hear me talk detail about that game, I do a podcast strictly about that. Check out Core Heroes really quick. Uh, three new heroes were released. Um, Gang Greymane, he's a worgen, transforms into a human, he's a werewolf guy. Lunara. Um, the one I'm most excited about, it's a it's a Dryads. She's a unit in the original Warcraft RTSs, um, and she hops around like a deer and she poisons people. Looks awesome. Most excited for that. They announced a, a Tracer hero coming with the r- launch of Overwatch. They just showed a model, didn't release any other information. That's exciting. But the craziest thing of all, and maybe the thing you should log in and play Heroes with me to do, is Cho'Gal's coming. He's a two-headed ogre. And his gameplay mechanic is that he's one hero, but he's controlled by two players. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. So, it's funny. Um, I remember those those two-headed ogres from Warcraft. Way back in Warcraft yeah. 2, double-clicking on them and having the, the different voice macros and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they're totally like that. They're like, ooh, ooh. The, In the intro trailer, one of them's like, I'm, they punch each other in the head because they're angry at each other. I, I have a question yeah. before you go on about this. So are... Is there a limit? I don't, I don't play heroes. Is there a limit of how many players per team? Yeah, five. So if you pick him, you'll have four players on your team. Okay, so he doesn't have an, a way of sneaking in an extra player onto no. your team. So you'll no. have one less person present, but you'll be you're like a raid boss in terms of how much health you have and how much like damage you can put out. Apparently. You have to work collaboratively. Yeah, and their abil- one is like one some of their abilities. So one guy's the warrior; he controls where you move, and he does all the punching. And the other guy is the mage who shoots spells. So like the warrior will roll a bowling ball. And then it's up to the magic user to detonate it. So it's like you. It's like if you and I are playing, be like, okay, I'm going to throw a bowling ball and detonate it. And you'd be like, okay, I'm ready, detonate it. You know, like there's this element of that's cool coordination required. So you can't just pick them and then you're in your own ecosystem. It's really important that you work together to leverage his strengths. Um, and the big news with him is that people who bought the virtual ticket or attended BlizzCon are getting him for free, as well as certain people they're seeding for free. And the way that you get him is that uh, you ha- someone has you, you, someone has to play two games with you. You invite a friend who doesn't have it to play a game with you two times, and then they get it for free. 
And if you share that love four times, you'll get like 2,000 gold for buying stuff in the game economy. So he's effectively going to be a free hero they're releasing. Also very cool. Um, uh, there's a new map called Towers of Doom. Not much to say. If you're into that kind of stuff, go check it out. looks really cool. It has the Headless Horseman. New game mode called Arena where it's just like sort of Hearthstone where you, it just rolls a random bunch of heroes you can play. There's no leveling up. You're all level 10. And you just go and smash face cool. in a really small map. The great thing about this is that all the heroes are available to play. You don't have to own any of them. It's just like Hearthstone. Well, actually, it's not even like Hearthstone because you don't even need to buy in. You can just yeah, play Yeah, I was going to ask you that. You just log in and be like, I don't own anything. I have nothing. Let me play Arena. It's just free to play. It's not going to be, I think, like an official competitive mode. But it's going to be fun and a way for you to play the game without having to spend a single dime or own anything. Um, big news on MMR improvements. Again, check out Core Heroes. I think we're going to talk a lot about that um, on the Core Show. Uh, it's MMR. MMR is your matchmaking, so there's some concerns with okay. you know high-ranking players getting matched with new players and steamrolling them, things like that. There's a big concern with matchmaking. Um, and uh, Kim Fan, their senior esports um, person, uh, announced that there's a new esports league happening. With this year, the prize pool for the Heroes World Championship was five hundred thousand um, dollars. They're going to do that three times in 2016. So. There's a new esports scene happening, and this is what I talked about a little bit. Them needing to desync from BlizzCon because so much happens over that weekend that it's just too much for people to really enjoy. So um, that's cool. So that's the hero stuff. StarCraft Two. It's launching tomorrow or today, depending or has recently launched, depending on when you, when you hear this. Um, so they only had a, what is the future of StarCraft Two panel at BlizzCon where they talked about ongoing mission packs as DLC for StarCraft. So um, if your if your journey in StarCraft is over and you're sad about it, fear not. They are going to deliver more mi- campaign missions for you to download. Story story based. Yeah. So the first one is called Nova Covert Ops, and you play as Nova, doing stealthy Nova things. Um, you know, with with units and things like that. So the hmm. game is going to be still an ongoing esport. I think the the World Championship of StarCraft Two was really big as well. Um, there are a lot of talent. I've watched a bit of it. There's some crazy talented people playing that game. Um, so, I'm re- yeah, I'm really surprised. Start they went with this week for StarCraft Two. Like, uh, like I got a I got um, a Best Buy calendar or whatever. I mean, and and they always highlight the video games on, on what are on sale, like a paper yeah. one in my junk mailbox. And I opened it, and it's like follow follow this follow that uh tomb raider tomb raider this and then it's like you may also be interested in heroes of the yeah sorry um starcraft 2 blah 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 heart of the swore uh or whatever it is but see the, the the thing is is that i guess they don't make their money like people buy that electronically they're not buying it from best buy per se so maybe they don't they don't see the need to to highlight it but i do still think that it's weird blizzard uh to launch Probably is this would StarCraft two be their biggest release of this year, Bo? StarCraft, I don't know. But Heroes officially got released this year, uh, so maybe Heroes would be their biggest. Like release. Like it's though. weird to grok it because it was art. It was an open beta. Like you could just pay to get in. No, I know, but time, it's but, officially released. But Heroes yeah. was released. StarCraft two was released. I think that's it for releases in twenty fifteen. I mean, there, so, might, there was so, a Hearthstone. The Hearthstone thing that happened, I think the Grand Tournament happened this year. Black Rock Mountain happened. They must know. They must know their base, and they must know that like they're not going to be 
playing Fallout or they might not going to be playing Tomb Raider. They'll be playing StarCraft. Uh, they've got it marked on their calendars or whatever. So that's the only because it's three huge games in in one week. It's very rare you see that sort yeah, of thing. One, one of the things that was interesting is that this Chris Ziggity, who's like a senior guy um, at uh, for the StarCraft team, when they were doing, I think. It was one one of the tournaments. I can't remember exactly what it was. He came out to talk. Oh, I think it was when they were launching the trailer. He mentioned that, um, according to their statistics, that like the StarCraft players, it's always a consistent number. Where a lot of their games, like Warcraft players, when something new happens in Heroes of the Storm, they'll go to Heroes. Or something new happens in Hearthstone, they go to Hearthstone. Like they see spikes in the numbers based on release people going game to game. They he shared that they don't see that with StarCraft. Essentially. The people who like StarCraft just play StarCraft year-round and don't leave when there's a new Diablo season. They're not leaving StarCraft to go play Diablo. The people that care about StarCraft are just into StarCraft for the most part. I guess that makes sense in the sense that it's a bit of a different flavor. Just like I could see when Overwatch launches, I could see the people who play Overwatch only playing that, not necessarily having the same interest. Whereas... I look at heroes. I look at Diablo. They look similar to me from the outside, you know. Yeah, and they are. It's heroes is kind of PvP Diablo. I mean, that isn't a far stretch to to sort of draw that link. Um, all right. So I think oh. that covers the major areas of BlizzCon. Crofton, do you have any questions before we move on? No, Bo. I feel I feel like my Blizzard news has been sated. Yeah, uh, and, and there- uh, it was. It was such yeah. a broad overview. I mean, there's so much to discuss in depth, but, you know, Crofton can only contribute so much because he's not the Blizzard, you know, raving fan that I am. Uh, so I think we did it justice. I think uh, I feel pretty good about it. And if you want to hear more about the hero stuff, again, check out Core. But um, there's so the other big, big The things. big games released uh, this week are uh, Fallout 4 and Rise of the Tomb Raider. And for a long time... Somebody, people were predicting one of them was going to blink, probably Tomb Raider, not release in the same week. Neither of them did. They have released. Rise of the Tomb Raider is a timed exclusive for Xbox One, meaning that it's out uh, this year for Xbox One, beginning Q1 of next year for PC, and then Q4 of next year for PS4. Um, So uh, I, as I have a PC and a PS4, no Xbox One, I'm not going to be able to play it, but I did mention that my uh, my friend worked on it. Um, I played the last Tomb Raider uh, game, the relaunch, and I've talked about it a bit on the show, but my my system wasn't particularly beefy enough maybe to handle it, or I, I was too stubborn to turn the graphics down, so maybe I didn't get the smooth performance I wanted. But I didn't quite like it as much as I like the Uncharted games, even though I recognize it had more gameplay. You could upgrade stuff. Bo, did you play that one? I forget. What, Uncharted? Or the first no, one? No, um, the Tomb Raider redo, no, redo. I own it, though. And I actually, when I, I watched a re- I watched the GameSpot review of Rise of the Tomb Raider, it made me want to download and install Tomb Raider because, you know, yeah. it, it. I bought it for a reason. I shouldn't play the damn thing. You will probably um, yeah. like it, especially not having played Un- Uncharted. Um, they, it's in a way, it's not fair to compare them so much. That there's some things they do very similarly, and there's some things that Tomb Raider charts its own path with. But um, I feel like that's a game that uh, that got better critical reviews than people were anticipating. I think everybody was like, "Oh, you know, um, the Fallout is going to just crush them and all this sort of stuff." 
But uh, I, I look at the reviews, and they are very similar uh, in review score, and that's flattering for Rise of the Tomb Raider and not so much for Fallout 4. And um, I think a lot of people were kind of holding their breath before declaring Game of the Year or What is the Game of the Year. Uh, there's a couple of titles being bandied about, but the the one left on the ta- um, not on the table was Fallout 4. People were like, what about Fallout 4? Fallout 4 will be Game of the Year. Fallout 4, Game of the Year is coming soon. Now, it's come out. Reviews are out. Let me be straight up and say they're they're uniformly excellent reviews. But I think we may be reaching the point of uh, of Bethesda overload, and I don't I don't mean that in 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 the sense that they put out many games because God knows they don't. But I think that everybody collectively agrees that Fallout Four is an improvement on Fallout Three, but not a reinvention. So I mean, you're you're getting. Uh, you're getting an enhanced version of Fallout 3 in the same way that Skyrim was an enhanced version of Oblivion. And as games get crazier and crazier, I think that like that may no longer be enough. I think this is the last time they can do that. I think the next Bethesda game that comes out is going to have to be bring some some new shit to the table. Well, what occurs to me about all these concurrent releases is that the games are very different genres, and and I feel like there's a there's a, a type of player who's going to appreciate Tomb Raider that's not going to want to play Fallout Four. Um, there are a lot of people who don't like the Elder Scrolls Bethesda RPG games. So, I mean, I think I think in the end, I think they have all these games, including the StarCraft game, which is coming out, and Hearthstone. They all have their audiences, and people are the right people are going to go to the right place like they all it's not like there's two adventure games you know i think there's enough customers for all of them your thoughts on fallout 4 i saw the review and the thing that stuck out to me was that like the facial tech like there's no upgrade to the 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 way people look like the facial the facial textures and the animations like it's a graphics thing the graphics like are not a huge don't feel like a huge bump but then it doesn't matter because, like, the point of these games is that immersive RPG element. Like, at the end of the day, you don't go to play Fallout because you want a great shooter or you want a great, um, you know, linear narrative. You want open world storytelling immersiveness in, in, in sort of a meaningful agency in that world. To me, the question is, how does Fallout 4 stack up against The Witcher? Which we're not going to be able to know until one of us, well, you play it because you've played both. Um, I, the other, the other dark horse, or not dark horse. Some would say favorite in that race of game of the year is Metal Gear Solid Five. Didn't that get it, tens? Like, wasn't that isn't that a tens yeah. game? In, in The Witcher <laughs> did, and like, I, okay. I, here's here's the thing: is is you're not wrong when you say that there's different games for different folks, and I would agree that Tomb Raider is more of a casual game, and that like. My somebody like my brother could see it on TV and be like, "Oh, that looks sick! Look at all that stuff!" and then pick up the controller and actually play it. But games like Fallout and games like The Witcher Three and games like Metal Gear require a certain level of video game familiarity and knowledge um, to get into. And so I think that uh, I think Fallout is is exactly what everybody expected it to be, uh, which is more and better Fallout. But the problem is, is like, and I loved Fallout 3. I really did. But I didn't finish it. 
I didn't finish it. I did so I did so much side content that I finally like I, I petered out and I didn't finish it. I never played Fallout New Vegas. I own it. It's one of those games I have haven't installed. And part of me feels like instead of shelling out the cash and buying Fallout Four, I should just install Fallout New Vegas. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but uh, but yeah, like it it just feels like I haven't had this acute desire to play more Fallout. And at first I thought that was a symptom of those games. Like Skyrim, I never finished as well. Oblivion, never finished. I never finished those games, even though I put countless hours into doing side quests. I never finished them. The Witcher 3, I am still playing and I'm heading towards the end. And I recognize now that it... I think that part of the reason I never finish these games is that there is never that drive to, and this in The Witcher Three really has that for me. I, I would, you know, I I have no doubt n- knowing that Fallout Four is more of Fallout that I will enjoy it, but I also feel like it's for me it's it's not gonna it's not gonna best The Witcher. I'll have to Metal Gear. I'm holding out on because it's a totally different style uh, uh, of game. Maybe it's different in a way that I, I won't be anticipating, but I could sort of predict what Fallout is. I know I'll enjoy it, but there's no way it tops The Witcher it, for me. I could tell you right now. The Witcher is pretty much very close to my top single-player game of all time. So, I mean, for it, 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 Game of the Year 2015 for Crofton, it's The Witcher's to lose, right? So uh, I, I just don't see Fallout doing it. That said, I'm still super interested in playing it. I'm interested in playing Tomb Raider. Um, so I'll, I'll get to the, I hopefully get to those games. Let's say that these are good problems to have. If you're, you know, gameless, you want a new experience, you've got a couple of really good choices. I mean, it's very positive that, uh, you know, these are reviewing well. It doesn't mean you have to play every game at at launch. Um, but I, I will say it is a pleasant problem, but it's becoming a problem because these games like the Witcher three is hundreds of hours and I haven't even got into the expansion content I bought. And then there's a new expansion that's going to be coming out. Meanwhile, Metal Gear Solid five, people are talking about hundreds of hours. Fallout four, people are talking about hundreds of hours. Rise of the Tomb Raider is considered a svelte game in comparison. And it's still like, they're talking like 20, 30 hours. I'm like, that's all. It's, it's a lot of time. Like you're buying a game now and it's not just like a six hour campaign. Call of Duty still got its six hour campaign, but those games with those, like, you know, even 12 hours, last of us style campaigns, they're almost gone. Now it's all big games. And I only have so much time. The issue with gaming is that when you really like a game, you want it to be hundred hours. And when you really just want to try a game and like it a little bit, but not necessarily love it, you want it to be a 10-hour experience. But the problem is people can't just make games that way. You know, you can be like, oh, I like Tomb Raider, but it was a great five hours. And I'm happy, but the, someone who really loves Tomb Raider wants it to be a thousand hours of Tomb Raider. So it's... It's sort of like dating. Some people you want to marry, some people you just want to go on a few dates with, and some people you just want to have fun with, you know? Like, And so I, I think... Uh, that was in a the case- svelte comparison. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so I just say, me. you know, right now Witcher 3 is looking to be my bride in the gaming front. So. All right. Well, if you're a Fallout 4 fan, this news will be you'll make you very happy. The VP of PR and Marketing, Pete Hines, has created a templated doctor's note for when you call in sick. And this is going to make it a great dialogue tree discussion one of these days is the fact that gaming releases more and more are celebrated. Like you hear with the comment, 
oh, I'm going to take a sick day on that day. Oh, boy, I'm, I'm going to take a vacation day on that day. I'm not coming into work on that day. I'm, I'm, I've got the gaming blues. <laughs> um, so kind of cool for him to make this thing. I'm surprised that no executive or PR guy, this is, hasn't existed before. I'm sure there may be liability issues. But, um, but uh, you know, I think more and more gaming fans are like, this is, you could imagine it being a problem if like half of your company calls in sick because Fallout 4 came out if you employ a lot of game gamer fans in your company. What's what's funny is Fallout 4 is coming out tomorrow. Like we're recording on a Monday. Yeah. Fallout 4 is coming out tomorrow and I'm probably going to call in sick tomorrow because I got this this and head cold or whatever. The irony is that you're not playing Fallout 4 but your boss no. is going to think you are. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. They'll be they'll be like, "So, Tomb Raider or Fallout come out the same day the Crofton calls in sick." Hmm. Mm. Doubtful. Mm. Mm. Well, I need the, to download the, that the, template. One, the one thing is you can point them to the show and say, no, look, I'm sick. You can hear me talking right now uh, as sick as a dog. So you could do your podcast, but you can't work? Priorities crafted. You're fired. Yeah. I think they overestimate the quality of our product. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Um, a few other little things to mention. Rocket League releases free mutator update today. I haven't had a chance to check it out, but we have talked about it, I think, where there's apparently um, you know low gravity rules and weird time warping stuff that happens. So I think they have a mode now where it's just, anything goes for fun stuff i can't wait to try it so this is your psa if you're into rocket league there's some new crap for free happening in there that's probably a lot of fun i've Uh, always been nervous about them changing the gameplay mechanics and stuff maybe unreasonably so um but uh i feel like that vanilla rocket league will still be the say esport type thing of choice and yeah. the mutators will just be for fun and i see no no harm in it so that's pretty cool i'll, yeah. I'll check it out yeah, if it's got its own little ecosystem then it's a sweet little value add to have fun with um also so there was yeah Go there ahead. was a um a series i'm a big fan of Ma- the mass effect series the, the next game in which they've released very precious little information called mass effect andromeda it released a little teaser this week for N7 Day, which is like, I guess, the day of the year that you celebrate Mass Effect. Um, and uh, it was Christmas. it was pretty... Pardon? <laughs> I said, move over, Christmas. <laughs> Look out. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, Gears of War has got like Emergence Day. Oh, they all good. have some sort of really? day. There's a, well, all right. Continue, Gears continue. Of, Fandom's a great thing. Continue. So Andromeda... As it got like a teaser, and the teaser is pretty cool because it actually kind of tugged on my heartstrings in an interesting way. There's absolutely no gameplay footage that I can tell in it. What it is is essentially a series of archival footage from uh, a- astronauts training and uh, and, and uh, mankind's odyssey into space and all this, being vo- voiced over by uh, Jennifer Hale, uh, famed for her role as Fem Shep, and. Um, and eventually, when it, after a shuttle takes off, the camera zooms out, zooms out, zooms out, zooms out, and then you see like you zoom out of the galaxy and you see one of the mass relays or a giant a giant citadel sized ship, um, and uh, and then it just ends like she's she's narrated this talking about the inspirational you know journey of man into the stars, and then she finishes it with and this is Commander Shepard signing off, and. Um, 
and then there's like this little there's this little the little mass effect I, I I don't know how to call it other than the mass effect sound like when you start a game it's the, the it's the first it, it's yeah it's the first musical note you've even already sung more than it it's the first note and it's just like ding or whatever like and and, and when it hits right after she's done the speech and you've seen all this finish and it zooms out, I just got like a little chill and I was like, man, I'm like, I can do with me with some more Mass Effect. This is going to be crazy. And it's neat how she signs off. So it's really a passing of the torch to the so, next. So the two next. things for me also it affected me the same way. I play as Fem Shep. So it, it's really sad to know that that's like she's like Jennifer Hale's finished with the series or whatever. It feels like it will have new voice VO for the whoever character, whatever character is next. Um, and also, just when you talk about that music, Mass Effect has some of the most iconic music that is unique and original. Like it, it's it's amazing. Like in a space where like like I love Warcraft, but they're not the first movie to be like horns and, and and timpani and 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 you know like string section like it's all very you know we've we've heard this before and their take is great but there is something there's a unique space mass effect has carved out in its audio that um that is like i think 50 percent of why i love mass effect so much that it's borderline cheesy b-movie sci-fi music and awesome mass effect music that like with great sounds that is just stellar. It's so good. It is some of the you best. You know music who else? Uh, another game franchise is Deus, Deus Ex, also has. Uh, a lot of people were excited they were bringing back the composer from Human Revolution yeah. for the next game. And it's the same deal. They have. They really work the music in that game, too. too. And, and a lot. And like, when you look at even the first Mass Effect and, and the last Deus Ex. They're they're definitely limited in some of what they do, um, but it, the music gives it a sense of scale and and creates this atmosphere in the world, and definitely it does there. So like I'm I'm excited I'm excited for whatever comes next in Mass Effect. I think they did such rich world building in that universe that I can't wait to see uh, what comes next. Me too. I'll definitely play it. I like I love them on the whole. I love the Mass Effect series. So you know really. I really like games that have, you know, very in-depth dialogue and um, decision trees in the dialogue. And they're, they're, they're the, some of the best in gaming. All right. I think that covers the hour-long Readme TXT we've done today. Tons of news to discuss. Uh, but we're going to, you know, spend some time doing some of other sections. The first thing that we're going to do is talk about the games that we've played the past week. You always talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street smoking pot. This is Games Per Minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? All right, so I'm going to get mine out of the way real quick. Um, I've only played Heroes of the Storm the past week. If you want to hear my thoughts on it, I have a show about it. So um, not much to say other than I had a good time. <laughs> uh, Crofton, have you been I'm playing with same, I'm uh, Witcher three only this week. I'm <laughs> I'm headed to the end. Uh, okay. Now I'm, I'm sort of into the third act of. Uh, it's very interesting. Now I'm returning to areas that I I thought I had explored before, but there's all these dangling plot threads. One thing that I got thinking though, it was all this talk about game of the year, was how that um, I love The Witcher three and it is one of my favorite games. However, I can't in good conscience recommend it to e- everyone. Um, and, uh, how like Fallout, 
Fallout 4 um, or or we just talked about Mass Effect. There'll be a new Mass Effect and how like those games are there's so much investment not just in terms of the time that it takes to get into the game but also like the lore of the universe there's often uh other games that you need to have played to appreciate this game like i i played most of the witcher 1 and most of the witcher 2 but i didn't finish either of them and while you could play the witcher 3 without having experienced any prior witcher knowledge you're it's hugely beneficial to have experienced it um at certain points in the game like there are certain points you're totally like i don't you know and i just hit one in the game near the very end where it's like a throwback to the witcher 2 and um or near the very end i assume i'm near the end probably not <laughs> who knows uh, yeah <laughs> But uh, but anyway, it's just I just realized that because I'm I'm doing all these like game of the year watch stuff, and there's all these people being like, yeah, I played The Witcher three for th- for two hours, then quit and all this, and it drives me so insane. But I realized, you know, it's unfair for me to think that everybody will will even though so much craftsmanship and so much work has gone into this game, it's clear that it's not it's just not for everyone. There's some people that aren't willing to make the time investments. Uh, you're playing. You're. It's sort of that the apex of playing as a like macho dude, in that you're a you know tough witch hunter and Geralt of Rivia with a gravel throated voice. Like that's not going to appeal to a girl who might want to play, even though there are segments that you play as his female equivalent. Um, uh, so I mean, I really, I really understand that now. As as heartbreaking as it is, that your favorite games. There's something to be said for games like Tetris and Mario Kart that everybody loves. You know. I love The Witcher 3, but, like, if somebody said, hey, I'm looking for a good game to play, um, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be able to, to recommend it wholeheartedly. Even you, Bo, who is a guy I think would very much like it, there are some parts I'm, I'm like, I don't know, it, would he get by the prologue or would he drop it by then, you know? Like, there's, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to know, so. It, it would really depend, I think, for me, if it got it, its narrative hooks in me, like, I you know, I, I think that, I think that that's what it is. I do like, I do like a lot of what I've seen about that game, though. There's a lot of good stuff there. Well, all right, maybe next week we'll have something new to report. But um, no, you know, probably not. But I, I think, I think I'll still be playing it next week. Well, that's the thing is we're we don't play games just to like have them on the show. We just we play the games we want to play, and that's just how it's going to be, guys. Um, and right. I've seen I've seen a lot of people say like when talking about the review of Fallout Four and all yeah. this, they they'll write in parentheses, "I'm still playing The Witcher Three or whatever." <laughs> like, like when talking about how long these games are. So, yeah. all right, so let's um, uh, no dialogue tree this week as uh, we carved out a lot of time to talk about BlizzCon. Uh, what we're gonna do next is move right along to inventory management. Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. All right, inventory management, where we answer the question, spend your cash or vendor trash. Uh, Crofton, what's your recommendation this week? So in lieu of the Fallout mania sweeping the nation, my recommendation is Fallout 3. Now, I originally played it on Xbox 360. Uh, At the time, I didn't have a computer that could run it. I now have it on computer as well. Um... You can get tons of mods. You can make it look much, probably much better. 
but I, I will say that I really enjoyed the time I played it. And when I look at Fallout 4, I think to myself, like, you know, it would be sad if somebody went to Fallout 4 and, and then couldn't go back to Fallout 3 due to graphics or whatever, uh, because it's such a it's such a good game. And that's not something like that happened with previous Fallouts, like Fallout 1 and 2, which were different styles of games. Like, people would still go back to Fallout 1, even though Fallout 2 was there. And I hope people still go back to Fallout 3 as well. It's a great, it's a great game. has some cool decisions that, like, affect massive, uh, wa- massive uh, story arcs or the way that the, the, the world is shaped. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and uh, hold, uh, I would imagine it ho- would hold up pretty well. It's sort of the Fallout games seem to come out with the improved version of an existing system. So Fallout 4 is on an improved Skyrim system. Fallout 3 was on an improved Oblivion uh, system. So, I mean, after Skyrim and Fallout 4, it may be, like, tough to look at, but it, it's it's not that bad, and I think totally worth it. Yeah, I think if, a game, if gameplay stands out, the graphics can't take a back seat, so not always the most important thing. Good recommendation, my man. This week I'm going to recommend something a little off the beaten path. This is a game I really enjoyed, but it was a long time ago that I almost forgot about. It's called VVVVVVVVV. That's six Vs. You can find it on Steam by typing six Vs into the search bar. Uh, so what is this game? Essentially it's an indie ca- game by a rep- reputed game maker. I forget his name, but um, uh, he's known for making these very interesting single-player indie game experiences and what the main the graphics are very low tech they kind of look like i mean old vga games Uh, but the gameplay is not it plays with a controller and it's a platformer where you can switch the polarity of gravity to be either up or down and it has a lot of interesting puzzles with respect to this mechanic it's five bucks so it's not a lot to go to the steam store or wherever else you might find this game with the green man gaming or somewhere else and check out this game um it's got a cool 8-bit soundtrack to it, sort of chip y and it's super fun. Uh, so, or just add it to your wish list, wait for a sale. Maybe that would be there. It's got overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam as well, I'd like to note. Um, this is a highly acclaimed platformer game to show you that graphics don't necessarily mean everything when a game has smooth, buttery mechanics and responsiveness and how to play it. Um, and- it's hard I will to say that I played game. that game too, yeah. and it's pretty sweet. Like, uh, and you could get it on Nintendo DS, 3DS. Oh, nice! And I, yeah. The downside is it's super. Like, I, I think it's like ten bucks unless you find a sale, which is fairly expensive for you know that, that it is a, a, an it's console indie game, tax but, because the developers got to give more money. Well, I guess Steam would have tax too. But yeah, I, anyway, the, I, I've been tempted to rebuy it, even though I own it on Steam, just to have it as a portable option. So, I mean, that's how good it is. It's 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 hard to describe. Like, when you look at a photo of it, you'll be like, huh? But when you play it, you'll be like, if you like platformers, you'll like this game. So, booyah, there you go. That's um, a good pick, Bo. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed that game. So, Listen. If you enjoyed something and you want to share it with us, we have an email address. And you know what you can do with the email address? You can send us emails where you write things and send it to us, or even record your voice, like a voicemail, and send it to us. Send us your MP3s. 
You can send that at expodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to read your stuff on the air. Please send it in if you're listening. Um, you may think we might not be interested in hearing from you, but we are. We're a small little podcast. Let's hear from the community of people that listen to us. Have I begged and pandered enough? Okay, I'll stop there. Right in. Um, you can find out more about our show at expodcast.com. There you can subscribe to us on uh, Stitcher, iTunes. Links are all there. You can check out our Twitch channel where we stream our shows live on Monday nights around 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, at twitch.tv slash expodcast.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash expodcast.com. Do you see a recurring theme here? Everything has expodcast.com in it. Uh, finally, if you're into our conversation today and want to check out what we do, you can go to goodbadbull.com and find Crofton and myself having a com- with Michael Hodgins having a conversation about something selected at random by a random topic generator. Check out that podcast if you like this podcast. I know you'll like that one. Um, finally, Crofton, you know, he likes to, to tweet things. He likes to share his thoughts with the world and, and let people know about his projects or his articles he might be writing for exm or, or for on the ign site i don't know if you started that but tell us tell us where our listeners can find out more about what crofton is up to and what he's thinking yeah i've been dogging it lately but uh, you can totally follow me at crofton steers on twitter i'll throw my thoughts at you yeah he'll throw them in tweet form straight to your brain far out man and you can find me at Bo Schwartz where I'll tweet about whatever it is I'm up to alright so now that we've given you a whole bunch of information that might have gone in one ear and out the other but hopefully you, you took the time to write one of those things down and check us out um, we're going to move on to a little section we like to close out the show with a performance of a video game thing of some kind called Master Game Theater now Bo It's now time for Master Game Theater. Now, now Bo, I see, and I appreciate this, because you've done all the heavy lifting, what with me being sick and all, and you have chosen a Master Game Theater quote that is short for this week. Bless your heart. And I'm sure that you will do the heavy lifting and and deliver this amazing quote. Oh, I I thought maybe you'd love to... uh... To do this one, but um, if you're not sure, feeling up whatever, to it, if, I'll do it. It's if you're not so feeling short. up to it, I'm happy to be your understudy. Gross. I know, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's up to you, but it is mercifully short. I was considering your your illness and not let's not recite some cinematic from Warcraft this week. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess whenever you're ready, let's. Well, uh, it's, you got to set. Oh, the stage. we set this up. So there's a little game that was very fun. I know I played in Croft and played too, called. Starcraft or Star Fox 64 on the Nintendo 64, and there is an iconic line, an uniconic line delivered, even now still so iconic, delivered by Peppy, the rabbit starship pilot, um, friend of the main character Fox McCloud, and Peppy has some some sage advice for Fox McCloud. When he gets into a tough situation where a lot of spaceships are shooting at him as to how to, you know, juke out of the way to avoid taking damage to his ship. And, um, Crofton is <laughs> You going- could not have drawn this out for him. <laughs> <laughs> Crofton is going to deliver uh, this iconic line in gaming history. Crofton, when you're ready, 
let the show begin. Do a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll. <laughs> 